The Leave Your Legacy podcast is supported by Wise Financial. Wise Financial is a Northwestern Mutual private client group member. For over 20 years, Wise Financial has dedicated its efforts to designing comprehensive wealth management strategies for business owners and many accomplished athletes. Through their efforts, Wise Financial has been recognized as an industry-leading firm. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hello and welcome to the Leave Your Legacy show. I'm your host, Kenya Moraine. Today we have a, a very special guest. He's no stranger to Iowa Hawkeye Athletics. Um, I have to say, though, uh, one of the things that I saw about your your uh, your bio, and I think it was maybe LinkedIn, it's like you said, you wanted to work harder than yeah. anybody else <laughs> in the industry. He's a writer for 247 Sports or 247 Sports, however you want to say it. And I won't hold this against you, but, you know, you did graduate from Nebraska and you're a Husker. But uh, please welcome David Eichel to the show. David, welcome to the show. Yeah, man, it's good to be here. It's uh, I was very flattered and incredibly humbled that you asked me to, to come on here. But, you know, it is funny, though. You mentioned the Nebraska thing, right? So I covered Nebraska for two years yeah. and I announced I'm going to Iowa. All the Nebraska people are mad at me because I'm going to Iowa. <laughs> all the Iowa people are mad at me because I'm from Nebraska. And it's like, all right, well, at least I'm on the same playing field. And nobody likes me yet. So yeah. it's only up from here, I guess. <laughs> it's all good. No, that's Yeah, it's crazy, that rivalry. And it's something like I don't – I've never really kind of gotten to some of the rivalries being – even though I played at Iowa, being from yeah. Michigan, it was like – okay, the Iowa State thing everybody <laughs> talked about, the Nebraska thing people talked about. I was like, Michigan, Michigan State were like the ones that like yeah. were in for me. So, um, but yeah, no, I, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to a lot of that stuff. But I wanted to ask, um, yeah, how did that come, like how did that that happen as far as a, a Husker becoming a writer yeah. for covering Iowa Hawkeyes? So my family is from Iowa originally. Like my, my mom grew up in Marcus, Iowa. My dad's from Sioux City. I had a lot of family in Iowa. I was born in Sioux City. Okay. And then I went to Nebraska at two years old. Then I moved to St. George, Utah, about two hours from Las Vegas for oh, 10 wow. years. Yeah. Then I moved back to Nebraska for my senior year <laughs> of high school because uh, I knew I knew I didn't want to go to school in Utah. Yeah. Just different culturally, nothing wrong with it. It just wasn't the place I felt like yeah. I could flourish. I get to Nebraska, and then in-state tuition is a powerful tool, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, so doubt. I swallowed some pride, and uh, I went to Nebraska. But, you know, it was a really good decision, I think, at the end of the day, given where my life was at, what yeah. was going on with my family. And, you know, Nebraska has a great journalism program yeah. and I didn't go to school for journalism that just kind of ended up happening about two years into my college life so you know I was mad about it at the time yeah but it all worked out I think for the best and yeah. I got back to Iowa so absolutely so talk about a little bit about, about growing up so you you yeah. guys were moving around so you said you spent 10 years in mm -hmm. Utah so yeah so how <laughs> yeah first of all like how was it growing up obviously kind of bouncing around being two you don't really notice too much but yeah yeah yeah, yeah so I, I don't remember obviously anything about Iowa like I never remembered living in Iowa I remembered Nebraska and then in Utah my dad retired gotcha. so my dad was 50 when I was born okay uh, my mom was his second wife he had three kids from a previous marriage my mom never had a kid so I have the great dynamic of being the youngest and the only yeah so you know i got all the perks of being the you know <laughs> the only child yeah. but then on my dad's side i have the three of them that just say they're so much easier on you than us oh i bet <laughs> like, yeah I and bet. It, they based on their stories he definitely uh he definitely was yeah although my dad retired warm weather in southern utah so it was about 40 minutes from zion national park oh nice and all of that so you know when i got back to nebraska my senior year of high school let me put it this way, based on the way I dress, the way I talk, the slang and everything, yeah. 
I did not fit in at all coming back to the Midwest. <laughs> like, where are you from? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, so, so senior. So did you, were you athlete in, in high school? I mean, was that? So, so here's the thing. I actually went to a performing arts high school for okay. three years. Uh, they didn't have sports. If I wanted to do sports, I could have played for the public high school, but I did. No, I did theater. I, you know, I played a couple of instruments. I yeah. got into writing music, writing poetry. Oh, wow. Uh, but I was more focused on, on those things. Then like I pay attention to sports. I never missed a game. I'm yeah. passionate about it, but I really, really thought I was going to be an actor for a long time. Wow. And it just ended up, I get back to Nebraska, the cards didn't play out and yeah. uh, you know, it's all good. Like I said, I get still get produced content. I still get to, you know, tell some stories and do some different things. So it is funny that you That's talk about improv and all of that, right? Yeah. And then now I do podcasting. I do TV. It's like all those skills that yeah. I didn't know I would ever use or need just kind of comes full circle. Oh, hope. I mean, I don't know. Do, do many people know that about you as far as going to a performing arts? I don't school? think so. No, I that's, think this is the first place I put out. Well, that's, really, <laughs> but that's, but that's what this is about. Like that's yeah. what I was saying coming into it. Like, I love like the fact that, you know, you're, you have to be one way when you write and do all this other things, but there's so many different layers to people. And I think sports writers kind of probably get a bad rap because of that, because you're dealing with fans, which yep. obviously is short for fanatics. And so I know sometimes just the hailstorm that can come on you when you yeah. post something or you write something. It's, it's crazy. So, so journalism wasn't the, the, the thing. So mm -mm. what did you initially go to Nebraska? I mean, was it, you're going for performing arts and so the, my theater teacher in high school, her best friend was the head of the drama department in Nebraska. And I didn't know that when I first went to Nebraska, I actually stepped away from the performing arts aspect for a while, for a year. Cause I was really trying to figure out what I was passionate about, right. what I really wanted to do. So I went to Nebraska. I did business for two years. My my mom was a you know VP of leadership. She was HR for a big okay. corporation. My dad was a public uh, what was it the uh, project manager for Midwest Mid, Mid American Energy for oh, wow. okay. thirty years. Yeah. Um. So they were into that world, and I thought I would follow suit. And then I'm like, I am not sitting <laughs> in a cubicle doing this. It just wasn't my thing. Went through a really hard semester, my first semester of sophomore year. Yeah. You know, didn't do as well in class as I would have liked to. Uh, you know, I think I, I had my fun in college a little bit. <laughs> and then I really kept myself in check going into that next year where right. I just said, you know what, I'm going to switch my major. I'm going to do a full stop, restart, and evaluate. And then I like to say I fell upwards. Yeah. Uh, and I had a great opportunity with Sean Callahan, who now is the on three Nebraska guy, but he was working for Rivals. And he took a chance on me yeah. and and my roommate actually at the time. So we were working together. We had classes together, and uh, just been on that path ever since. But like I said, fell upwards. Yeah. I think is the right way that's, to say that's it. That's awesome. I know one of the questions I, I told you I was going to ask you was like just about how the media has changed. When you talk about like everything really being print media, but even when you started and got into it, it's probably changed a little bit since you have with everything really going digital and there's different kind of content and I mean you're creating content on multiple levels and so yeah. like what have you seen just since you started this journey in journalism like what has been one of the things you're like wow like this this wasn't happening three or four years ago I think a couple things one I think there's a very big distrust in the media right. even in the sports media landscape and I think it's due to a variety of different things but I mean I'd even say social media and yeah. people not being able to differentiate between commentators and people who cater their content just for the sake of it, and people who are actually reporting the news. Mm. And again, I don't think that either one's bad, but if the public can't differentiate that, right. 
then I think it's a problem because there are people who make a living being commentators, but they get thrown into, oh, they're journalism because right. they write stories or, you know, they do different types of things. And I think it sets a very dangerous precedent. And I'd also say you have to be more skilled in a variety of different ways than you've ever have been. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you remember Mark Morehouse. Yep. Worked yeah. 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 Probably, yep. I think the best writer, sports writer in Iowa history. Yeah. In my opinion. Um, I remember asking him when I was covering Nebraska versus Iowa, when I was still a Nebraska student, about what he would tell me, what's a big piece of advice. And he just said, you have to do everything. Yeah. You can't be afraid to do everything. And I think on top of that too, from a sports perspective, as we've kind of seen the world change. And if you get into sports writing to cover sports, yeah, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> right. I mean, right. it's, it's so many different things now, whether it be, you know, players getting sponsorships, whether it be players, you know, advocating for, for rights. I mean, I think about the Iowa 2020 racial disparity allegations yeah. with football um, and there was a lot of people, I think that were uncomfortable trying to dive into that, that realm of things, because, you know, whether they thought their opinion was wrong or they weren't fully informed or it wasn't their place to, it was a very different time. And I think that's what really opened my eyes to right. the type of impact that, you know, I think journalists have too, because that's what really, I think sets the stage for how people react. And if people just only consume their silo of information right, right, right? right i think that's the most dangerous thing right now and i don't know if it's gonna change but uh it's it's definitely a scary world i think we're going in that little area yeah and i think too like you guys have to have so many different you have to be able to see things from different perspectives and and sometimes it may go against you know what you believe but it's like okay i have to be able to put myself in yeah. whether it's that player's shoes that coach's shoes or whatever and kind of but then also <laughs> be willing to ask the tough question. Oh, and I get know. told that pretty often, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's what I was going to say, because you yeah. do, like, I think you do, you, 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 there's, you have so much integrity. It's like, you know, like you have to ask these questions, even if you know, it may not get an answer or yeah. you may get a snarky response or anything like that. I think that's the one thing that you're, you're referring to is like, you have to be true to yourself and, that's the one thing that fans just aren't, you know, yeah. they see one thing, one side and, and whatever, regardless of what it is, whether you're saying something about their favorite player or their favorite coach, whatever, like it's, it can be really tough. And sometimes I wouldn't say humbling, but you sometimes, do you ever question yourself? Like, why the heck am I doing this? Oh yeah. Often, <laughs> very often. I mean, think about this. Like I said, so I grew up following Iowa football. Yeah. I grew up following different, you know, teams around the Midwest. So Kirk Ferentz has been the only coach football coach in my lifetime. Right. So, you know, I watched his teams, you know, I rooted for them at the time. I'm four or five years old. And then fast forward 20 years later, I go viral because after the Illinois game last year, I asked him, you know, with the bye week coming up, would you think about making some changes on your staff? And of course, everybody assumes I'm alluding to Brian right, parents, right. Uh, but I wasn't trying to go that way. And he just said, you know, we won 10 games last year. I don't know if you're aware of that. And he really kind of chewed into me and that's kind of happened a time or two. So I'm just, it was a very like, okay, I grew up rooting for this guy and now I'm just getting chewed out by him. What a, what a moment. Like, yeah. uh, <laughs> right. You know, you know, I think too, something that I try to pride myself on the way I interact is I tell, you know, coaches, I tell players before they get to the podium, I said, if I ask you a tough question, I'm not going to put you in a position to be a gotcha question. Right, right. And I think the way people frame questions is almost as important as the answer itself. Yeah. Because, you know, fans want us to really kind of go at the coaches and almost yell at them like yeah. we're fans you will never get an answer for that. And it completely shreds your credibility with the people you have to interact with on a professional level and a professional relationship.
What was crazy about this whole thing, and and obviously I've you know there's been I've had to defend myself or defend my boys or whatever yep. on on social media, but it, what what really just kind of irks me at times is how someone wants you to do something that they would never do. Exactly. So if they had an issue with their boss or coworker, like would they ever ask or go at them that way? And it's like no, like just because you're in this realm of sports doesn't mean that the rules are different. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's still that idea, like you have to respect the person that you're speaking with. You're in a room of people that you have to respect. And part of it too is like, you're a representation of all of them too. It's like, yeah. you don't want guys being like, David, like what the heck are you doing? <laughs> you know, in a press Well, room, the other you know? thing is too, is like, again, we have the players, yeah. we have the coaches, we have the parents of the players yeah. and, oh, you know, gosh. relatives of, you know, the, the coaches. I mean, I can't tell you how many times there have been people have gotten my DMs or mentions that are related to players and, Things I will not say on this podcast, but you know I've been uh, I've been chewed out a few times. Yeah. Uh, but again, I and I, they've later come back and apologized to me because they realized that you know this heat of the moment, and I just said, look, I just want you to realize I'm not rooting against your you know your son. Yeah, yeah. Or your yeah. daughter. I cover women's basketball for Iowa too. Like I'm not against it, but I have a professional obligation to tell things the way I see fit. Yeah. But I also think there's a difference between criticizing somebody for their performance versus the person. And I think when you talk about the way sports media is going, mm -hmm. I think they really, really struggle finding that line to do that. Gotcha. So that being said, what's been the best and worst thing about covering the Iowa Hawkeyes? <laughs> That's nope. a loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, I think the best is how many great stories and like how many interesting stories there have been. Yeah. I mean, Luca Garza getting national player of the year when, you know, he trips over he could trip over a painted line yeah, with yeah. his athleticism, but he's so skilled and he changed his body so many times. Caitlin Clark being I, who I really think is going to be the Michael Jordan of the WNBA. Yeah. I have sky high expectations for what she's been able to do. You know, Keegan and Chris, yeah. right. Going from guys who weren't getting a lot of offers coming out of high school, go to prep school legacy, come to Iowa, two first round picks. And now we're living, living the dream. Iowa wrestling, Spencer Lee, uh, Kirk Ferentz. I mean, my first game I ever covered football-wise, my first column I ever wrote for a game was when Kirk Ferentz passed Hayden Fry oh, wow. for the most wins in school history. So I just sat back and I said, okay, there's no pressure on this column. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But no, I think it's just the, the amount of great student athletes that go through the university, how much they've achieved for a state with 3 million people. Yeah. And on top of that, they are all good human beings. Yeah. Like there's never been a problem yeah. for a lot of those guys. So it's definitely a different dynamic. And the worst part of it, I'm going to think about how I want to phrase this. <laughs> okay. Probably the, the stability. Yeah. Because, you know, you think about us, when you think about in the media, when, when are the numbers up, when you sell subscriptions? And I right. think about from the business side, coaching changes. Yeah. Athletic director, you know, athletic director changes. That hasn't exactly happened at Iowa yeah. ever. I mean, you think about Lisa Bluter, you think about, you know, Fran's been there, I think 13, 14 years now. Yeah. Kirk's been there 25 years uh, Tom Brands, I think, has been there easily double digit yep. years. Yeah. Um, but again, that's also a good thing because it's nice to have that same professional relationship that I've, you know, tried to cultivate over the past few years. Um, but I also think, you know, my mom grew up a diehard Iowa fan. My yeah. dad grew up a diehard Iowa fan. And uh, it's interesting when we disagree on some things <laughs> I say. And, you know, people, you know, tweeting at my mom or, you know, yeah. they run doors to your last name. And I'm yeah. like, I'm just a writer. I'm not even on the court. I'm not on the field. Yeah. But I, I think it's a variety of things. But like, I love my job. The hours are insane. But 
it's such a good, it's a it's a really good fan base and it's a really fun job. And I'm blessed to have the platform that I've been able to get to. Yeah. No, you've done. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to say, you know, you have done such a great job, I guess, in support <laughs> of our family. So, you know, I wanted to ask you, too, when what were your initial thoughts or like, be and, and, you know, we, we speak, yeah. we speak frankly here. <laughs> what were your initial thoughts when you heard Chris and Keegan had committed to Iowa? So here's here's where I was at with it. One, I hate the term fallback recruit because yeah. I always like to say whenever people get the opportunity, they should be able to not feel bad about taking the opportunity. Right, right. You know, I think Keegan and Chris did the right thing to go to prep school. I watched them a couple of times in high school. I, personally, I was surprised they didn't get more offers. Yeah, not, yeah. I'm not even talking like at the power five level, right. but just at D1 in general. Yeah, yeah. I really thought they were still like, good prospects. Yeah. And I was kind of on the fence about it. They committed and I said, okay. You know, you look at the players that Iowa's had over the past few years, I did think there was a different set of athleticism that they could bring. I just wanted to see that skill level transition to the power five level. And then once I saw them at that prep school for that year, yeah, I said, okay, they're actually going to be, they're going to be dudes. Yeah. And I think they had a harder time from this standpoint too. I mean, think about the last name. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, there's so much more added pressure to that. And I've always said too, quickly to Connor and Patrick, like these are top 150, top 100 kids. The only reason why nobody freaked out when they committed to Iowa yeah. was because the last name. Yeah. But I also think Chris and Keegan, their mindset is what really propelled them to be successful. I think their work ethic and their ability to literally not care what anybody says. Yeah. And it's amazing to me. Yeah. I mean, I've run into them obviously since they, you know, they, they left Iowa and in the NBA um, just around town too. They are literally the same person on and off camera yeah. and on and off the court. And it's amazing. Um, so again, I don't want to say it was a reach, but I also think that they brought a different element to what Iowa needed at the time. They need more athleticism. They need yeah. more versatility. Yeah. And if they could shoot the ball, they were finding their way on the court. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. But what's crazy is like, I told him, I remember going into it. I'm like, the only way you get on the floor is if you play defense and rebound. Yep. And it's funny because people won't believe this. Even when I said it, like Keegan, I couldn't get him to play defense. Like that was one of the things that was, that was so like, it was cause he wanted to score the ball, which yeah. obviously he did a phenomenal job at that. And, you know, and, and that's the one thing that I think going through that process was that they're two different players with similar, obviously they look alike. They're built the same, <laughs> uh, you know, their mindset about the game was the same, but like they yeah. brought two different skill sets to it. And, you know, obviously Chris had to wait for his opportunity, but I think the one thing that they both epitomize is being ready for the opportunity when it came. Yeah. And that goes back to, like you said, the mentality. Like I tell people, like I wrote this three keys to being great and I base it on what I saw over from Chris and Keegan from like their seventh grade year to, yeah. to now. Um, and that's something that's very rare. I want to say I have a part in it, but I just believe that, you know, God blesses each one of us with something different and he gave them a skill set, but it was a process and they really had to fight for everything they have. And yeah. I think that's the one reason why you said they haven't changed because they've always been counted out. They've always been the underdog and it's just kind of that position that they're used to being and, in. And I, I agree with that too. And I think the common misconception about them, again, it goes back to the last name. They're like, oh, you know, you think about the way Franz runs his program and this is not a slight at all. You know, he's got two kids on scholarship. Peyton and Price Sanford. I mean, it's a very family-oriented basketball program. But again, all those guys deserve scholarships. Yeah. Like, it's a completely different story there. But again, I think a lot of people saw the last name and they looked up their offers and the casual fan just said, oh, 
like they're taking him because it's you yeah. know Kenyon's kids. Yeah. Whether and it was it was unfair at the time. Yeah. Um, but I think you know Iowa fans are pretty happy that they end up coming through the program. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was interesting too. You talk about the mindset, and that's what really impressed me about Chris is you know before you guys come to prep school, like he didn't even you know he didn't even know if he was going to continue playing basketball. Yeah. And then to go from that to being a first round pick, the way he was able to kind of switch it on, and I do think having a close circle yeah. is so important and trying to build yourself up for success. Like nobody makes it truly on their own. I believe that yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. connections and it's about people that care about you and that want to uplift you. And I think that's the culture that you guys have clearly set in your family yeah. and have, you know, kept the people you want close, be respectful to everybody, but also keep people at bay who probably don't have their best interests at heart. And now you go into a world with NIL yeah. the transfer portal. Yeah. These kids are going to be getting paid a lot of money. And there's going to be a lot of athletes I think get screwed over yeah. because they do not have the right people in their circle. I actually had this conversation, and, and you may know the name. There's a, a young man out of Texas. His name's Caleb Steger. Yep. Very, very good recruit. Um, but I have some conversations with his dad, and that's the one thing we talked about is is because he asked about the NIL part of it. Mm -hmm. And I said the one thing you have to realize is like – NIL for some kids, it's going to be different for everybody because everybody's story isn't the same. Everybody's background isn't yeah. the same. So when you have an opportunity to make money that maybe you or your family has never seen before, that's going to drive some of these athletes. And some of these athletes look at NIL and college as a way to get out because they may not see themselves as a professional athlete. Sure. For us, it was the conversation was, what's the end goal? The end goal is to, to make it to the NBA to play at the highest level. So that's where their focus needed to be. Yeah. And I think that's, and we were able to give them the things they needed, maybe not always what they wanted, because, <laughs> you know, going to prep school, I had to rob Peter to pay Paul to get that done. <laughs> but it was just one of those things that the investment in them, their investment in themselves, like that's really what has allowed them to get to where you, they are. But then now, like you said, it's who's around them. And the circle is tight. Like yeah. people wonder like, well, Chris and Keegan don't do this or do that. And the one thing that's very respectful is their agency is very forthcoming with opportunities, but everything is discussed as a group and what's, what's going to be best for them. So yeah. you're absolutely right. It's professional thing. It's who's your agent, you know, and, and who's your representative and, and who's around you that's talking to you that makes a difference. So I appreciate that, but that's, that's a big, big reason why I think they've had the success to this point. And, I think they'll continue to have it as well. I mean, they're the lowest maintenance dudes uh, thing I've ever covered. And then you talk about when they were doing their NBA breakdown. Yeah, yeah. That was one of the first things they just said, there's going to be no problems with yeah. them. <laughs> like when they get to the league, like they don't care about the outside pressure. Yeah. They just want to go hoop. I remember, I think there was something with Keegan when he was going into that game seven, they asked him what his pregame pit was going to be. Yeah. He was like, sweatshirt and shorts like yeah. the same thing i always wear <laughs> yeah it, it is and i think now like even that mentality for chris too his situation is different than keegan's you know fourth pick versus 23rd yep. but he's happy and like that's the one thing like people's like well he's not playing he's a first round pick is he unhappy no does he want to play absolutely and he's busting his tail every day to to get that opportunity but it's for us it's stay ready because you're on a team with vets yep. and it's just a completely different situation um and and he will he'll get his opportunity and and I think he he does that it's the consistency I told him every day be the same every day and and when your opportunity is there he'll take it and we know what he can do with the yeah. opportunity when he gets it no no doubt and like you said stay ready I mean especially when you get those limited minutes you in the NBA you have to ball out you have yeah. to be able to rise to the moment now again I think there's a little bit more wiggle room when you're a first round pick when you're a rookie yeah. 
you know, it's a, it's a business, man. Yeah. You hoop or you dip. Absolutely. And (laughs) and it's, yeah, it's so competitive because people are, it's only 400 guys in the NBA. And if you think about the 75, almost 76 years of the NBA, there's only been what, right around 5,000 players that have ever, ever played in 75 years of this game. And so it's, uh, it, it's it's rarefied air for them to be there. And I think, you know, for us as a fan, we're just like, it's crazy. Like it's still yeah. kind of that pinch you moment when you realize like, you know, your kids are there. Yeah. So, um, so it's a lot of fun, but, but speaking of family, like I know like you, like you have a great relationship with your mom and, and <laughs> yeah. obviously, you know, um, you know, your father passed, but mm-hmm. just talk about like what your mom and dad instilled in you that, I mean, it, it really is like the foundation of who you are and, and it really pushes you forward because I know that, that those relationships were really, really yeah. strong for you. Um, but I just want to talk about like your mom and dad and really how they inspire uh, you. To my be. mom's going to clip this forever. I just want you to know that. <laughs> no, but you know, I, I think it was interesting. I've always thought about, I have, I had older parents. I mean, my dad was 50 when I was born. Yeah. I won't say my mom's age, just out of kindness to her. <laughs> Uh, but I love the fact that I did have older parents because yeah. especially with where the world's moving, I love having these kind of old, you know, old fashioned values. I mean, yeah. I think about, you know, faith in God. I think about, you know, love. I think about being respectful. Please. Thank you. Treat, you know, and I believe everybody has value. Yeah. And I think, I think about my dad's background. So my dad grew up, you know, without a father, mother cannot read or write wow. house of a small garage probably about the size of it you know six brothers and sisters didn't go to college had a 197 gpa he ends up being a project manager at a major corporation for 30 years right wow so my dad grew up really poor and he made something out of himself and he's always he was always so adamant to me about you know be thank thankful for what you have and always recognize value in everyone no matter their socioeconomic status race religion there's value in everybody and I think that's something I've tried to carry forward. And that's Love been it. so big for me, even from a storytelling perspective, you know, getting to know people, the athletes on and off the court yeah. um, or on and off the field, people behind the scenes. Um, I think those things have been really, really beneficial for me. And that's kind of the way I, I've found, you know, fundamentally make myself who I am. And I also think too, something that he always told me is if you don't have your word, you have nothing. Mm. That's good. So you know, always be honest as much as it hurts yeah. people and might hurt yourself to be honest, <laughs> self-aware. Yeah. He used to always reference this, uh, this poem and it was called the man in the, the man, in the glass. And it was about, can you be happy when you look at the man, in the glass? Mm. And it's this. I can't remember who wrote it, but it was on the back of his, you know, funeral pamphlet. Like he wanted that. That was very, very big to him. And that's something that I carry with me often as well. And then something else just from a professional aspect, you know, he, trying to think how many people he he was in charge of. He was in charge of a lot of big groups, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. If you have a choice between being loved and being respected, you always choose respect. Yeah. yeah. And that's something I'm I really really try to drive in my professional life. But at the same time, you know, when you think about trying to do things for others, don't do it to feel good about yourself. Yeah. Do it to make a difference. Yeah. And I think that gets lost in the world as well. Yeah, absolutely. I love that, you know, you yeah. To be respected Man, there, there's so much in that because I think uh, it's the honesty that people really need to hear today more than any time. Because I, you know, as a coach, sometimes the hardest thing is to to you know yeah. to be honest with a, with someone because you don't. And it's not a matter of like trying to tear a player down. It's like, hey, like I've gone through this, I've seen this. This is what 
I know you need to do. And sometimes it may be hard, like you have to change this or that. You may be, you know, you may have to not hang out with certain people or, you know, you have to miss this party or whatever it is. If it's, if this is really what you want. And that's the conversation as an athlete, you know, you always have to have as a coach. It's like, what do you want out of this? And I think sometimes that's, that's really hard to hear, but. uh, I think, I think self-awareness is the key to growth. Yeah. I really, I really do believe that. I mean, if you can't be honest with yourself, how can you listen to everybody else, what they say about you? Mm -hmm. And you have to be open to criticism and not take it personally in any aspect of life, but you will never make a difference in the way you want to operate or in your life unless you're self-aware and you can be truly transparent and just honest with yourself. And once you unlock doing that on a consistent basis, that's where you really start to see the trajectory go up. Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm still married. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, like it was, that was, that was one of the hardest things to do is to look in the mirror Yeah, and, and you, you get discouraged because sometimes you don't like what's, what's looking back at you. Mm -hmm. Um, But then it, that I know personally, it comes to like, who's around me then like, who's holding me accountable. Who are the men in my life that are really pouring into me telling me like, yo, like that's not cool or this that the other thing. And sometimes it's hard to hear, especially as an athlete, because I come from that vein too, where it was really hard because I was known as one thing when I played here. And even right. after that, it was still like, you know, former Iowa basketball player. But then I had to get to a point where like, it doesn't matter. Like to me, what matters is like you said, um, you know, one, where's my faith? Um, you know, am I being the best version of myself as a man each and every day? Because if I do that, then the husband and father part of it will yeah. take care of itself. So. Did, the, uh, did the label of being a former Iowa basketball player, like, stick with you? Oh, Maybe, yeah. Like, for too long in terms of, like, not that you always carry it with a badge of honor, of course, and you're yeah. proud of it. But at the same time, you don't want to be known as that. Like, that's not what makes yeah. you you. And I think that's the problem that the common person doesn't understand about a lot of athletes. Yeah they love what they do and they love the platform and they're not going to apologize for it. But at the same time, that's not who they are. Like I think about, you know, Kobe Bryant, you know, he was hall of famer. I imagine him, you know, if he was still alive, he'd be known as a great writer right now Mm -hmm. because he was really on that path. And I think that was super important to him is he wanted to make a difference. He wanted to normalize, you know, the term girl dad, right? Like he wanted to do all these different things. And, you know, just hearing you talk about that, you know, I've seen athletes when they're introduced is that they'll smile, but I think in the back of their head, sometimes they just say, I'm not that though. Yeah. That's what's allowed me the platform, but I want to utilize that platform to be known as something else. Yeah. And no, you're absolutely right. Because that's one of the hardest things that athletes have to deal with once the ball stops bouncing or yeah. the passes start flying, stop flying is what are they? Who are they? And that's a tough transition. And some people, they hold on to it for so long that or they lose themselves in it. Like part for me was like, who am I, who, who am I really? Like, you know, am I still that, Uh, does that identify me? Okay. If that doesn't identify me, then am I, am I okay with who I am? And that's the part for me that was, was always tough. And honestly, I have so many conversations with that, um, with guys that are just like, I don't know what to do when you come off of being a professional athlete, when every you're catered to and things like that. And now you, step into, okay, like now I got to work, I got to pay my bills and do all these little things that they didn't have to do or whatever. Um, Like that's when it changes. And I think that's the tough part is finding who you are outside of the sport when you've been identified as that for so long. Um, It's it's a really tough transition that, like you said, most people don't understand. 
Um, so and, I feel like it is in the 20s, your 20s too. The 20s yeah. is such an awkward time in your life. I mean, my life, I mean, I think about when I transitioned. Okay, well, you're well, still in your I, got, I know, I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'm like, I'm on my own health insurance now. I'm paying my bills. I'm just like, yeah. it's such an awkward transition. It's like they prepare you for it. Then you're just thrown into it. Yeah. And you look around. It still hits me every day. And I, it's, it's so weird too, because I'll still have nightmares and I'll wake up like, oh, I have a paper due in the morning. Yeah. I've been out of college for six years. Like, <laughs> why am I still freaking out about that's this? Funny. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like even with Chris and Keegan, like there's things like they, they talk about adulting, but they really don't, you know, I was like, but, but the thing right now is for them to focus on their career yep. and, you know, and so the people around them, my wife, uh, you know, Michelle and I, I mean, even their girlfriends and it, it's, it's about making sure that they have the environment that's going to allow them to be successful at mm -hmm. their career. And, and that's what it is right now. So, um, but yeah, they definitely don't identify as just basketball <laughs> players. They would probably more identify as like, uh, I would say uh, borderline professional golfers. Like that would be their thing. Like <laughs> yeah. I think when they said it's when the basketball stops dribbling, they, they said they want to definitely play, play golf every day. So, so the, love the, the club will still be swinging when the ball stops bouncing. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, so I mean, you've you've done a lot. I mean, I mean, I like a joke. You're 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 young. Like, I mean, you're still in your twenties. Like, so what? Are there any goals or aspirations that you want to? I mean, what like I, I like what does the future hold for David? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, there's a lot I want to do. I mean, I think you know you talk about being known as something else than you know a sports writer for me. Yeah. Right. Here's the thing. I want to be the face of college sports. I want to be the face of college sports coverage. I want to cover basketball, football on national scale one day. Yeah. But I also want to use that platform to go into a bunch of different aspects of life. Like I love to be a motivational speaker mm -hmm. and really open up about, you know, kind of my own personal journey through, you know, anxiety and, and doing a bunch of stuff like that. I love to produce a music album. Mm. Like I like to open up my own charity, like a boys and girls club, but more so not as corporate. Yeah, and yeah. make it more personalized. And yeah. I think about, you know, inner city kids who have all the talent or all the skills in the world, but they have no resources mm -hmm. to accomplish what they want to do. And they have, you know, probably a bad situation around them. Yeah. I love to be able to open up something more personalized to provide an outlet and match them up with people who are great in the professional world, whether it be sports media, whether it be in business, yep. whether it be in music. And I'd love to make it more of a personal journey than just, okay, here's a clear path. And this is what we put everybody through. Um, but I mean, there's so many different avenues. Like I love to get back into acting. I love to do community theater. Like I love to just yeah. do a bunch of different things. So I'm interested in a lot. I kind of dabble into a little bit of everything. Yeah. I try to when I have time, uh, but I want to utilize the platform that I get based on doing this to open up myself to really make a difference on a larger scale for things that aren't just, Hey, I'm breaking news. Hey, yeah. I'm writing a story. Hey, yeah. I'm doing a podcast. I really want to get more into traveling. I want to just make a difference. I yeah. think. Um, and again, it's not for personal fulfillment. It's, I really believe that I can utilize a platform to make a difference. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. And we definitely can, I'm learning a lot about you. Yeah, like, yeah. I think there's some definite things that, you know, we would love to like partner with you on, like moving forward, especially when you talk about like the nonprofit sector and, yeah. and helping kids. That's really what we're trying to do as well. And be a little bit different as a nonprofit, like you said, not so corporate, but being a network, yeah, you know, yep. to resources for people. Cause we, I think a lot of nonprofits try to be the end all be all, but it's, it's more about the network that you can create to be able to 
know where to go for resources Absolutely. when you have people that you know need them. And that's, I think that's a big thing um, that needs to happen more. Yeah. Um, you know, as we, but yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll talk. No, about I was going to say too, another thing too, is I want to continue to normalize mental health. Yeah. And oh. not even just from like the, you know, from an athlete standpoint, but just in general, and I think the society is moving in a good direction Yeah. right now, but there's still so many things that, you know, people have to overcome. And I, I also believe that, you know, everybody says, hey, you know, they're getting paid this much money. They aren't allowed to feel that way. Yeah. I don't believe that. There are different sets of challenges you don't understand because you're not in the same situation. And I think it, the most disrespectful thing you can do is to minimize what somebody is going through. I think yeah. you can empathize and help them see that it's not as there's a difference between making it seem like it's not as bad versus minimizing it. Yeah. And I think that's what really, really, you know, triggers me about that. And, you know, covering, you know, pa you know Patrick McCaffrey's yeah. anxiety last year, covering that. And I thought that was great that, you know, he was so forthcoming about it. I think about, you know, Kevin Love penned that essay a few years ago, right? I'm really happy that we're seeing high profile people continue to to push that conversation. But that's something I really want to continue to do as well. Yeah, I think it's hard for people to kind of put themselves in that situation when you when you just look at the, the status, yeah. or the money that they make. It's like, no, like if they were working the same job you had and they had these issues, like, would it, would you say anything different to them then if they were your coworker, right? Exactly. Yep. It wouldn't be the same. So it's having that empathy at, at different levels. And yeah, just, you know, it's, that's a whole <laughs> other show. Um, well, Hey, listen, I do do rapid fire questions. Yep. I love these. Um, so I think I, I probably give you guys an advantage when I send them to you beforehand. <laughs> so, you know, but I think it's, that way you can think about it a little bit. So the first one is, if you could cover entering any sporting event, you talked about being national and yep. global when it comes to that, what would it be and why? Honestly, the World Cup. Okay. I, I think that might be my favorite sporting event really? that ever happens because I feel like it's one of the times that the world's unified. Mm. And I love seeing the different cultures really kind of interact. And I love seeing, you know, the pride that everybody plays for their country. And I yeah. think it's just the way, like over the past three or four world cups i've really just grown more and more of an interest in it and just to see you know like third world countries they rally around it like yeah. that's their life for that long and it's just it's a really really cool thing so yeah i'd say the world cup okay awesome now i don't know how good i'd be as a writer writing soccer <laughs> but it'd be it'd be cool to be at gotcha gotcha if you had to describe yourself as a dessert <laughs> what would it, what would you be and why <laughs> so i came up with a couple of them i think uh, i think i'm gonna do a, a souffle because okay. the longer it continues to bake the more it rises right yeah. so the longer life goes on the more i want to continue to grow okay and elevate my status i love that i love that <laughs> yes gabe that's some thought all right last one if you had a pet parrot what would you teach it to say <laughs> you already know there it is there it is 100 percent. just based on the, again, the fact that that became a shirt and that became a thing is the funniest thing I will never get over. Yeah. Uh, but probably there it is. Or uh, stay humble. Yeah. Probably be the other one. Now, where did, so where did the whole <laughs> shirt come around with the, the there it is? Like, how did that even? So I, I tweeted it one day when something big in Iowa recruiting happened. And for yeah. people who don't know, whenever something big happens in Iowa sports, and they hinted on my board or something, I just say, there it is. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. And it gets like 300,000 views on Twitter. I mean, wow. it gets like, I think the one with, you know, Brian Ferentz yesterday, I think they got 500,000 views. Wow. And it's just three words and there's yeah. no context behind it. So Sean Roberts, KXNO, reached out to Ray Gunn and said, dude, you got to put this on a shirt. Yeah. And the, the crazy part too is they put it in the Iowa City store, but they put me next to... Caitlin Clark shirt, Deontay Vine shirt, <laughs> Luke Lachey shirt. I'm like, guys, I'm a sports writer. Why am I with these yeah, athletes? Yeah, but yeah. No, it was, it became a meme. Yeah. Um, but again, the fact that that's a shirt. Yeah. 
It's just it's now, it's now cool a though. thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, people see me at, at a restaurant or something. Yeah. There it is. I'm just like, is. that's awesome. That's <laughs> so awesome. weird. I love it though. Make, yeah. Putting your stamp on <laughs> Iowa athletics. Sure. Well, Hey, I, every show I, I ended with a quote. And so I, I really, you know, I, I always try to make it connect with the guests that I have on. Mm-hmm. So this is the, my quote. It's a quote from Todor Zitkoff. It says, a good journalist is not one that writes what people say, but the one that writes what he's supposed to write. And I think, you know, you talked about that. And that's that's so important to you. It creates a level of respect for you. And I think even though they may not say it all the time, the fans really respect that about you is that, hey, he's going to tell it like it is. And Sometimes we need to have that reminder. Yeah. Here's the thing. If I get called a homer by other, you know, by Iowa, you know, Iowa State fans, but I also get criticized by Iowa fans because I'm being too hard on them. I'm like, all right, I think I'm doing my job. But no, I, I thought that was, I think that's a really, really good quote. And I think that's one that's getting very lost in, you know, the clickbait yeah. media, uh, the way, you know, content's trending and the way people want to consume the content as well. Yeah. And it means people don't have attention spans anymore. Let's be real. Yeah. No, it's awesome. But no, I thought that was, that's a really, really good quote. I like that. Yeah. Well, David, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. It's been an absolute uh, honor to have him on the show and we'll be back with our next guest. Our next guest is synonymous with Eastern Iowa sports. Um, He's probably one of the most engaging sports reporters (laughs) I've ever met or been involved with. Uh, when you and when I say you throw yourself into your we work, have fun doing it. <laughs> you definitely throw yourself yeah. into your work. So, please uh, help me welcome Scott Sable to the show. Scott, thanks for joining well, thanks us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now awesome. I'm on the other side of this. Yeah, I'm not as good on this <laughs> side, but I'll do my best. That's so funny because <laughs> our, our previous guest too uh, yeah. said the same thing. Being a reporter, he's like I'm not used to talking about myself yeah. and it's stuff hard. like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get started. We got a lot, lot going on. And one of the things I have recently learned was that you uh, spent some time in, in Indiana, born in Iowa, but you're saying that you're five, you moved yeah. around a lot. So. Yeah. My dad worked for JC Penney's and he moved up in their management. So every two years we'd go out to dinner and that's when he'd tell us we're moving. <laughs> so I lived all over the Midwest, big cities, St. Louis, Chicago, Yeah. ended up in Indianapolis, my final three years of high school, which was a blessing that I could go to the same high school for three years. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome. So, I mean, so you saying sports really made that moving around so much easier. For yeah, you. I don't know what I would have done without sports because you have instant friendship with teammates. Yeah. So I, I did every sport that they had, and, and every town that I moved to, I became friends. And I still lifelong friends with all these people in all these different towns. Yeah. Which is a great thing about sports. You know that. Yeah. When you bond with somebody in a sport, you are lifelong friends with them. Absolutely. And yeah. so I was going to say, like, the one question I had was, like, what was your best sport or what was your favorite sport? Obviously, you 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 did a lot. <laughs> well, back then, we, we were limited. We had football, baseball, basketball, and track. Okay. So you went from one season to another, and that was your favorite sport at that particular time. <laughs> yeah. But it was great because it broke it up. Right. You know, and you, you could truly be an athlete in all these sports. And you had different coaches. You learned different things. You might not, has been, you might not be as good in one sport, but if, it forced you to learn how to compete if you maybe weren't as good in yeah. that sport. You know, obviously I had challenges my height. <laughs> so basketball was a challenge, so I had to find a way to compete in basketball. Yeah. My favorite sport probably ended up being football because I played on really good football teams over the mm-hmm. years in track and field. I was naturally fast. Yeah. 
But track, I mean, it's just straight ahead, 100 meters. You know? yeah. There's no ball. I wanted a ball. You know? <laughs> so so football ended up probably being my favorite sport. And uh, I was blessed to end up at Carmel High School in yeah. Indianapolis. At the time, was a football power. Yep. So I never lost a high school football game while I was there. We forfeited a game and uh, didn't get to go my junior year to stay. But we won two state championships my sophomore and senior year. Wow. And I think we were ranked in the top 10 in the country my senior year. So I played on great teams with great yeah. coaches and, and learned a lot over the years. Oh, that's awesome. So after high school, so where, you know, college and all that kind of stuff, like where'd you end up going after high school? I, I uh, admittedly, at first I committed to Butler University to play football. My coaches had gone to Butler. Okay. And then my dad got transferred to Rochester, Minnesota. And it might not seem like, but I was kind of a wild kid. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so they thought it was best and they were right yeah. that, I, that I was close to where they were at. So I went to the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse okay. and played football there and they were a football power. So it ended up being a good fit yeah and they could kind of keep an eye on me a little bit <laughs> <laughs> well it, and that's great like everywhere you went like the football like you were finding yourself with teams that were really really good so I would guess then that you learned like discipline and all those kind oh, of things that yeah. were just at a very young age uh, I had a track coach in middle school and he'd never won a state track championship. And it was a big thing in Illinois at the time. Every middle school participated. Okay. And he said, here's the deal. You're going to win the 100. You're going to win the 400. You're going to win the long jump. And then you're going to get the baton last. And you're going to pass everybody in the in the relay. And, <laughs> and we're going to win a state championship. Yeah. So he started training me during PE class. Yeah. So they're playing dodgeball. And I had to run. And he trained me. <laughs> and then we also had practice after. So he, he taught me that discipline. Yeah. I thought he was crazy because we just had a shot putter, a pole vaulter, and one other kid. We had four kids. Yeah. And we ended up winning the state championship. And everything that he said came true. Wow. I had no belief that that would happen. None whatsoever. Yeah. But I, I learned from him through hard work that you can achieve a lot of things in life. And uh, we'll get back to this, but with your sons yeah, and yeah. some other athletes in Cedar Rapids, I've seen the same thing and how they were able to, nobody thought they could do a lot of what they did. Right. But yeah, there, there's a, If you have a belief in a work ethic in athletics, you can achieve more than you could ever dream. Yeah. I think, you know, when you talk about coaches, like they're so like, I, my high school assistant coach is still very prevalent in in my life, but I remember from an early age, it was really about the, the self-talk and, you know, them pouring themselves into you. Yeah, and, you learn so much yeah. outside, of, outside of sports too. It's amazing. If you have a good coach, they're, they're the best teacher you'll ever have in life. Absolutely. And, and that's, you know, I, I think we take on different, as a coach, you take on so many different hats sometimes with your athletes too, depending on where you're at in life and where they're at in life. And, and I completely agree. Like coaches mean yeah, just, everything. Just, and I was lucky to have legends. Their, their stadiums are named after them. Now. Yeah. My high school coach uh, originally in Indianapolis was Dick Dullahan, who's a legend in the state of Indiana, won national championships, went on and coached at Purdue, and then came back to Ben Davis High School. And then the coach that preceded him, also a legend, Jim Belden. Jeez. So I had just amazing coaches Yeah, and very fortunate for that. Gotcha. So you, you go to Wisconsin lacrosse. So is sports casting journalist is that is that was originally all in the car? i was going to be a, a coach in a, in a phi ed teacher yeah and uh my dad knew an, a, a guy that ran the tv station he was a general manager in that where they were living at the time in rochester minnesota so they talked me into doing an internship so i'd go to like the vikings game and eat free media food and yeah. I'm, oh i can do this <laughs> so i changed my major 
to this day, I wish I hadn't changed it. I okay. think I could have been more valuable as a coach and a teacher. Yeah. But that's way down the line. I've enjoyed it because I've been around sports. Right. But uh, I did make the change at that time and, and, and didn't look back. Yeah. So what was your first, like, real job? I, well, the, first of all, that, that general manager wanted me to be the weatherman and, <laughs> yeah, on weekends when I was still in college, yeah. which I couldn't do because of sports and other things. But uh, my first real job I got when I graduated from college, yeah. I drove around the country, basically the Midwest, and I ended up in Duluth, Minnesota, and they said, well, we got an opening. Come on up. Yeah. And I did a little uh, thing on air there, and they ended up hiring me, and and I made $4.50 an hour. <laughs> and what year is this? <laughs> this? This has been by 1986. Okay. Eight, yeah, wow. 85-86. Yeah. So I, I made uh, $4.50 an hour, believe wow. it or not. And I sold shoes at J.C. Penney on the side. To make <laughs> Did your, how'd you get that job? <laughs> well, my dad, yeah, my dad knew the, the the manager there. Yeah, and it's kind of funny. I I didn't have a bank account, and I would keep my my bank was underneath the seat of my car. So <laughs> really? when I first met my wife, she yeah. goes, "What are you doing?" I'm just going to the bank. She said, yeah. What? And I'd reach underneath the seat of the car and I pull out some cash. <laughs> she thought it was crazy. The dumbest thing she ever did was marry me. When you, if some guy is doing that, yeah. don't ever marry them. <laughs> oh but uh, that, that's, that's what it was like then. You know, not a real mature guy coming. I, I done. You know, I, I enjoyed sports, and that's basically all I did. Yeah. To be quite honest with you, uh, wasn't a gr never a great student. Just enough. You know, I wanted yeah, to play yeah. sports. You know, which I regret to this day. My parents did not enforce the academics like I wish they would have, yeah. like I did my kids because I learned from that. But, uh, you know, I, I was starting out, you know, having fun, you know. <laughs> Crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Going to the bank. That's yeah. a new one. I love that. I love that. So how, so the journey, how did you come to Cedar Rapids and KCRG? Oh, that, that was, I, my story that way was a lot like my dad moving around. So I started off in Duluth, Minnesota, and then, uh, and this is a true story too. Uh, it's, it's a tough business and yeah. it was tough back then. Uh, I had worked, I was just part-time. I was a weekend anchor there. So I was scheduled to work 20 hours a week and our news director, I had to work for our sports director was gone. So I had worked like 30, 40 hours that week. He said, well, I can't pay you this extra money. I can only pay you 20 hours. Yeah. I'm like, well, I had to work, you know? Yeah. I said, well, he said, I don't have to pay anything. And he pulls out a stack of resumes about like this. And says, see this? Yeah. He said, I don't have to pay you anything. These all, all these people want your job. Luckily, I just got offered a job in Topeka, Kansas. Okay. So I said, well, you better start looking through the resumes. I didn't want to leave. <laughs> my wife was still in college at right, the time. Right, she wasn't right. my wife then. Yeah. So I, I did, and I took a job in Topeka, Kansas. Worked there $12,500 a year. Everybody at the station made the exact same money. The main anchor, the photographer, everybody made the wow. same money. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So then I got a better job in uh, Reno, Nevada, and became the sports director out in Reno, Nevada. Okay. Worked out there, enjoyed that, covered boxing, a lot yeah. of fun things. Got yeah. to cover a lot of Mike Tyson fights okay. and, and George Foreman and all that. So there, from there, I moved to Cedar Rapids, yeah. to KGAN, when I covered you yep. back when you were in college. And then I went to Milwaukee and then came back to Cedar Rapids. Wow. Yeah, so it's been a long journey. It's been a long journey, and the thing is, I don't—I only know you. Even I wouldn't have known, remembered you were with KGA yeah. back then. I was like, yeah, that's I, when I covered you. I was a KGA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just KCRG to me. That's yeah. where it is, and yeah, and obviously the the athlete of the week thing. So you know, I know you had uh, 
some great mentors there at KCRG. Oh, John Campbell. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Great. And, and, and such he, a great friend and co-worker to this day. And he's engaging too. Like yeah. everything he did was yeah. always about engaging one, the people that you were doing the story yeah. on, but then also like pulling the fans in. And, and so you have to tell me how, you know, the whole athlete of the week challenge thing came about because I, you throw, you literally throw yourself yeah. into all of that. I started doing sport challenge, sports challenges with just anybody that would call up when I, when I was working out in Reno and boxing. Yeah. So I ended up fighting all these world champion <laughs> boxers, get black eyes. Yeah. Just got knocked out one time. Oh my God. So I started doing that and had fun. So we thought that maybe we would take it to the athlete of the week and yeah. try that segment. And, uh, and part of the problem with that is I don't want to take away from the athletes. So we try to tell the story first and then have some fun. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's a fine line there because it's, it's their story. It's not about you, yeah. you know, but they seem to enjoy it. So we continue to do it. And, uh, <laughs> it's, it's been fun over the years. I was going to ask, <laughs> maybe you've already said it. Like, have you ever been seriously well, injured doing a, any challenges? We, you know, we played, we did a lot more dangerous things. When I was <laughs> yeah. younger. So I'd tackle guys full speed, you know, and get my bell rung and things yeah. like that. It like, felt like the old days. Uh, the worst thing that ever happened to me was I took on a bull. His name was Dr. Kevorkian <laughs> down at the U.S. Cellular <laughs> that's Center. The first, that's the first problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they told me, I was doing a story on a bullfighter, and they told me, uh, it's simple, you'll throw your hat, and Dr. Kevorkian will run for the hat, and then you run to the left, and you played football, you just stiff arm him, yeah. and then you run up the fence. Yeah. Okay, well, it didn't work like that. I threw the hat. Dr. Kevorkian didn't look at the hat. He is on me like that. <laughs> oh, my God. And in a bull ring, it's, it's, it's thick dirt in yeah. mud when you're running because yeah. when you fall off, you don't get hurt as bad. Right. So I turned around. I had cowboy boots on. I'm trying to run away. He gets me with a horn, flips me up in the air, and then wow. runs me over. And, and the bullfighter said, well, we'll be there to get him off. No, they couldn't get there that fast. He, run me, he ran me over, broke my ribs, had a bloody nose from landing in my face, and both cheeks were so purple from the horn for oh. for months i had bright purple cheeks could have died <laughs> oh i mean i could have died signed my life away ahead of time right, right. the general manager of kcrg was so mad he said you could have owned this station yeah you could have sued us and owned this station so then i started doing a lot of things back then in the insurance company yeah they weren't going to insure me at kcrg anymore oh my god yeah so they had to have talks that i had to settle things down a little. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no more no more bullfights yeah, oh my gosh wow <laughs> i was crazy back then i think that came back from my football days of returning punts and yeah. kicks because you got to be crazy to do that yeah so yeah. i don't know <laughs> well <laughs> once again learned a lot here today but one of the questions i wanted to ask you and, and you had alluded to it earlier is you've always been so good and this is just personally you know you've been you're always so good at covering not only our family, but, you know, the boys and their journey. I've been blessed to cover your family, well, quite honestly. Well, thank you yeah. very much. I mean, but, you know, there's very few people that really know kind of the the struggle for the boys to I get where they are. I when they were this tall. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so, I, you know, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was when they committed to Iowa, you know, there was – there was all kinds of reactions. Yeah, people, so, people didn't think they were good enough. No. And so from your perspective, like, what did you think when you heard that they had committed? And I might have even told you earlier that before it came out in the paper that, that, that they were Here, going Here's to. the deal. Because I'd covered other 
athletes in Cedar Rapids in particular. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it is about Cedar Rapids, but there's a work ethic there. So I knew they had the work ethic. I knew you and how you were working with your boys. And I knew maybe they're not quite there yet, mm -hmm. but they're going to get there. And by the time they were seniors, then you could, you, I could see yeah. maybe they weren't going to be division one stars right away in my mind, yeah. but I knew they could be. Yeah. And I saw the soft touch. If you can shoot and you have length, what they, they started to have length yeah. and you have work ethic and you have a family like yours, I knew the sky was the limit and it might take a while. Yeah. And obviously when you sent them to Florida, yeah. that made a huge difference and it toughened them up, I think a little bit too. And by the time I, when I saw those videotapes yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that you sent me and I saw online, I'm like, Oh man, these guys are going to be good. Yeah. I knew they were going to be good at that point. Did I know they're going to be first round draft picks? Probably not, but I thought they could play in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, it was trying to figure out, cause even they're going into their senior, I didn't know if they were going to get the looks to play division one. Like we had talked about, I was like, maybe they're just division two, but like you said, I saw the work and what I told said to David earlier, I have this thing I talk about called the three keys to greatness. And basically I developed that watching them from the time they were seventh graders to now just what they had to do, sacrifice, you know, focus on to get to this point. But not everybody has that. And like you said, Cedar Rapids, I'm going to have a lot it, of it. I'm going to compare it to Kurt Warner, mm. who has never been a story in professional football. Right. Where you're, you're going from high V to MVP. Just <laughs> right. doesn't happen. It'll never happen. They right. talk about Brock Purdy. Great story. Yeah. You know, Mr. Irrelevant. Doesn't right. even compare to Kurt Warner. Right. But he, I mean, he's literally working at high V. Nobody wants him. And in, in the next thing you know, he's yeah. an NFL MVP. Yeah. And another one is Zach Johnson. Yeah. Not the best golfer even on his high school team. No, that's yeah. crazy. And, and not even close on his college team. But he had that belief that if he did the mini tours and kept working, he was going to get there. And and I don't even know where – I think it comes from family. I think it comes from toughness. I think it, the way you're raised, yeah. your family, uh, with your boys, same situation. They had that belief. You gave them that belief that they could make it. And then you also taught them about work ethic. Yeah, and I think the bigger thing too is is just your foundation. You know, there's like you said, the foundation of hard work, the foundation of values, and then like the people around you. Because you know, in this day and age, you see just taking like the NIL thing. You know, yeah. you have different people in your ear, and sometimes those messages can be very. Oh yeah, people tell you you can't make it. They don't believe you. You, know, you read what you see on on the internet. Absolutely. So you've got to put all that aside and believe in yourself. Yeah. And that's not easy to do because everybody has doubts, right? In yeah. life, you have to have that belief in yourself. Yeah, but the hard work is where you can make it. Yeah. True, because it's one thing to to think like this is where I want to go. It's, it's not fake hard work. work. It's real hard right. work. Yeah. Absolutely. And like you said, with Kurt and with Zach and then with Chris and Keegan, it's that idea of they weren't highly touted. They weren't four or five star recruits, but they kept the grind because they knew like this is where they wanted to be. And now you see them, even Chris and Keegan to a lesser extent right now, but what Kurt and uh, Zach do for the community, for the community, it's that like same that, value, yeah. same work ethic. It's amazing what they've done Absolutely. with the habitat free uh, through humanity. And, uh, and then Zach Johnson foundation, amazing what he's done for the city of Cedar Rapids. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I, I, yeah, it's, it's amazing. But one thing that's, that is true. And maybe people don't know that about sportscasters and journalists is like, 
you spend a lot of time away from family, you know? And I mean, first of all, you and your wife meet in college and then you... (laughs) The first thing I tell young people, make the the most important decision you're going to make in your, in your life is pick the right woman to be your wife. Right. And I did that. I struck gold there. So she was just an unbelievable mom. Mm -hmm. So I I would fill in and I would try to get to many events as I could, but I could always rely on her because she's solid gold. So that's the number one thing in life, man. (laughs) Pick the right wife. I will definitely attest to that because And they've got to have some toughness too. They've got to have some toughness and obviously the values and everything. And it's, it's not all about, I mean, my wife's a beautiful, and I was attracted to her looks, yeah. but it's not all about that. Yeah. I mean, it, you gotta, you gotta think of the future and beyond that. And, uh, that's pick the right woman. Well, I had an interesting conversation just about that, that very thing, like who you pick, because, you know, as a couple, you're going to evolve. Like, you know, everybody, things change, things change yeah. whether you talk about from the physical aspect yeah. or just the chapters in life, whether it's your career and things like that. So there's got to be a balance um, in that. And there's got to be a mutual love and respect um, support. Like it's just, there's just so many things that go into what you just said about picking the right person. But, you know, how does, you know, as far as being a dad too, like, you know, mom is there and she, and you're trying to make every event, but you know, sometimes the kids don't understand why yeah. dad's gone. A lot. I, I think yeah. they, they understood. And I did try to make it to everybody. Yeah. So they saw the effort there. And at one point I was uh, coaching my daughter's AAU basketball. Mm-hmm. So we'd have like a tournament on the weekend and I'd be going back and forth to shoot games yeah. and then back to <laughs> coach. The, you know what it's like. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. At, at one That's point why. you're asking yourself, what am I doing? <laughs> you're like a chicken with your head cut off, yeah. you know, yeah. but it's worth it. All that time that you put in. And, and it goes by fast. It's yeah. worth it. So I, I tried, luckily, because of my job, like if they're running in the state track meet, I, w- I covered the state yeah. track meet. I would have one of the other guys I was with cover their races, and then I'd cover the rest. Yeah. You know? So yeah. I was blessed to be able to see a lot of great sports moments for them in high school and college. And I yeah. tried to get to all their college events, you know, go to Indiana State to watch or wherever. <laughs> get just hop in the car and drive, yeah. you know. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And and your youngest, right, Mookie? Was Mookie was my middle child. Your middle yeah, child. Yeah. But you incorporated her into like the I Golden did, yeah. Klutz Award yeah. Awards and things like that. Yeah. On she, Sunday, to this so. day, people say Mookie and she's like, just, and I call her Mookie. <laughs> yeah. 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 We had a lot of fun with that. Uh, and, it's all, and part of that's about family. Yeah, yeah. People could see what family is all about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and your grandpa. I'm so. a grandpa. That's the best thing ever. Yeah. Someday you're going to love this. Yeah. I mean, well, I got, we have one now. So oh, you do yeah, have we, one. Yeah, 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 you we have, have one. So you know yeah. what that's about. A that's little right. bit. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. But. Yeah, and he's he's a baby right now. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's so much fun. I have one that's two and one that is four, and they're spitfires. Yeah. Man. And it's so much fun to, <laughs> to hang out with them. I went trick-or-treating with them last weekend, and that, that was a blast. But nothing better right now than that. I look forward to today when I do retire, Yeah, I'm going to do other things, but I'm, I'm going to spend more time with them and going to their sporting events and, yeah. and watching all that. No, that's awesome, man. I think that's, it's, it's fun. And most people say, it. I talked to Daryl more about this cause he's a grandpa. He said the best things you can give them back. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a challenge when yeah. you have them and, and, and the parents aren't there. It's a challenge when yeah. they're young. Yeah. You realize maybe you are a little older than a little older. <laughs> things have changed. I remember yeah. asking like, okay, like, when we I, we uh, we had uh, our grandson overnight, yeah. it's like okay, what all do I need to know? Like, do I have everything? How, you know, does he sleep? And then like, it's yeah, yeah. It's, we're so far removed from being 
you know, those parents of infants yeah. that it's like, okay, like I really have to go back in the Rolodex and yeah. figure out what I need to do. Because yeah. things were so wild back then when you had kids that, yeah. and then you get that little calm period just for a short time. Then the grandkids come again and get wild again. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. So one of the things that I really wanted to ask, like you, you have been doing this a long time and you're talking about, you want to do different things. Yeah. So, so when that microphone, you put the mic and the camera down, like what's, you know, I guess a bucket list item that you like. Well, the first really thing I'm going to do. do when I retire, I'm going to ride my bike across the United States. Okay. Probably a few times. I'm going to do the Southern route first, then I'm going to do uh, the Continental Divide. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to do that first. Uh, I'd like to uh, maybe work in a bike shop. Uh, I really enjoy riding bikes okay. and, and uh, cycling and, and working on bikes. I fix yeah. a lot of bikes up. So I'd kinda, I'm never going to stop working. I'm always going to have part-time jobs. Yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, I just won't do this after a period of time. This job's really hard when you get older. I mean, yeah. it's a very difficult, very demanding job. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, it's very everything. physical still, yeah. yeah. And it and it's seven days a week. Yeah. You know, it, literally seven days a week. So. Yeah. And it's interesting, like, you you probably, once you put it down, you'll still be really busy, though. Like, you know, you'll oh, always I'll have something. Ways, in, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll find ways. you yeah. always have something in there. Yeah. So I might have to ask about the bike thing, because obviously now with both Chris and Keegan being on the West coast. Yeah. Portland's beautiful. I mean, Oregon's oh, you'd beautiful. Love it. Yeah, Portland, so, a lot of, a lot of cycling. Yeah, yeah. So we'll have to get some like good bikes because, uh, we've never really had like outdoor mountain bikes or anything like yeah. that, but Michelle's got a lot of outdoor stuff planned. Yeah. I, I can hook you up with bikes. I, I, I have like 20 bikes right now, but like I said, I figured, Oh yeah. I've, for everything you can imagine, I have a touring bike that's supposed to go up mountains and yeah. carry heavy things. I have road bikes. I have, mountain bikes. I have everything you can imagine. And I, but I ride every single day. Yeah. I ride the, the I ride to work every morning and every night. Okay. So I'm going home about midnight. Yeah. The best time of the day for me is when I'm on my bike. Wow. So peaceful. And yeah. it, I go about 11 miles to work and back each day. Yeah. And then I try to get in some long rides. Yeah. You know, Okay, once again, learning something new about <laughs> it, it, You know, you can't run. You'll find out when you get older, you, oh, can't, you can't run. Yeah. So this is one way to stay in shape that doesn't uh, cause more harm. Yeah, no, I'm not a runner anymore. Yeah. I was like, the only time I really liked running was a, when I was playing basketball. So yeah. now it's a combination it, of It gets difficult things. when you get older. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a combination. I got a good personal trainer, so he, yeah. he makes sure I get some, some good cardio. But, uh, but one of the things I do, I love rapid fire questions, just to kind of oh, get. I'm, I'm ready, man. Ready. All right, here we go. Number one, if you could cover any sporting event, what would it be and why? Well, I've covered the World Series, the Super Bowls, NCAA title games, Masters. So none of that. It would probably be Manchester City against Manchester U. Mm. Would be a great rivalry game to go to. Yeah. Uh, also, the Olympics, the finals, the Olympics, like the 100-meter dash. Gotcha. That would be fun, too. I haven't yeah. done that. Yeah, that, that sounds awesome. Uh, one of my bucket list things is like going to like Wimbledon. Like oh, I've yeah, always been a be tennis fun. fan yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. So that's a bucket list thing for me. All right. If you had to describe yourself as a dessert, what would you be and why? Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> I might go, I love it. Number one, banana cream pie. Yes. You know, I'm not the best looking guy. So those bananas, they can get kind of raunchy in there <laughs> and brown and, you know, but yet hopefully I'm a good person inside, gotcha. which I try to be. And I've gotten better over the years at that. <laughs> I love that. I love it. I love it. All right. If you had a pet parrot. 
What would you teach it to say? Stop eating. <laughs> Anytime I picked up food, stop eating. Because <laughs> I can't stop eating. I, and I'm oh. working. I'm trying to, because I want to live a long time. Yeah, My dad yeah. died at 70. You yeah. know? He didn't take care of himself. He was a great athlete one time and just did not, through work, you know, did not take care of himself. So I'm trying to work on that. I gave up caffeine. Okay. Cold turkey. This year before Ragbri, two weeks before, I haven't had any caffeine whatsoever. Okay. Pop coffee, anything. Now I've got to work on the food because my entire life, that's all I want to do is eat when I see food. <laughs> when I was a kid, my parents, their first thing were, what are we going to have to eat for this meal? What are we going to have? You know? Yeah. And I, I would eat like 28 pork chops in a sitting when I was in high school. Yeah. Oh so, so, and I've been in food eating contests over the years, <laughs> thousands of them, but now I'm going to try to conquer that yeah. and not eat as much. I'm really struggling with it right Nobody now. Nobody would, I mean, honestly, if you, you, you're in, you're in good shape, really, oh. really good shape, you know, and it's like, nobody would think that you oh, were a foodie. Yeah. And then it'll kill you. Yeah. You know, if you eat everything inside, it will kill you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. So uh, I got, I'm working on it. You're working on it. Hey, hey, we're, we're always evolving, <laughs> yeah. always evolving. Well, I love, uh, Honestly, I love this part of it because I like I'm always looking around like for quotes and stuff like that. And I think I want to have something that really I feel like epitomizes the people that I have on the show. And this is one that really it hit me with you. Um, and it's a quote, and I'm probably gonna butcher this name, but it's Yevgeny Yevtusenkov. I have I have no idea um, how to say that. But anyways, the Close quote enough. is yeah, the quote is I love sports because I love life, and sport is one of the basic joys of life. And so I thought oh, that yeah. that was... That's 100%. Yeah. I, I always say, and I along the air a lot of times, live life large. Yeah. Have yourself a whale of a day. Yeah. I and sports that. is living life large in my mind. Absolutely. And it, it's it's such the basis for so many things in, yeah. in this world. But, uh, but no, I really want to say thank you for coming well, on the you. show today. It's been awesome. And I know turnabout's fair play. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I would do anything for you and your family. I really would. You've, you're so blessed yourself yeah. to have an, an amazing wife. Your daughter's incredible, the smile, <laughs> the personality. Yeah. And then obviously your twins are, are, are just amazing and what they've done. And, and a lot of that comes back to you and, and, the, and the way they were raised. And uh, last year I got that NBA ticket. I, I, Sacramento is a fun team to watch. Yeah, they are. Now they got a guy coming off the bench can score thirty every night. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just that they're they're going to make some runs, and and I'm hoping it's this year. Yeah, I'm excited for them, and it's it's great to see Keegan evolve too yeah. um, within the team, and and like I said, Chris will have his opportunity Chris, as Chris well is, too. So he's yeah. going to be just as good as Keegan. Yeah. Wait and see. Yeah. He's always been just maybe one year behind just because of playing and yeah. playing time. He's, yeah, he's the same athlete. Yeah, and I tell Keegan like you know, I go, you have to pour into your brother now because there's nothing I can tell him Yeah, well, <laughs> because you've been it. I've never been an NBA player. And so that's one thing I've seen too, is a, is Keegan really pouring into Chris, like the little things that he needs. Yeah. And he knows what it was like to be a rookie last yeah. year. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's not easy. No, yeah. it's not. So, and there's a little jabbing yeah, <laughs> that I've, goes on that, between the that, two of them. I hope that always goes on. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks again for coming thank on you. today. And thank so you. I want to thank uh, our our title sponsor, Wise Financial. I also want to give a shout out to uh, Storyline Multimedia, Estella's Fresh Mex, the audience. Without you guys, this, none of this will be possible. And remember, you can always go to our YouTube page to talk about network. Remember, subscribe, give us a like, and hit the notification button so you know when a new episode drops. And remember, let's keep connecting. This podcast is sponsored by Storyline Multimedia. Storyline is an Iowa City-based media company that specializes in creating high-quality video, 
photo and audio productions for local businesses. Not only that, but they also produce a number of podcasts, including this one. So if you're interested in sharing the story of your business with the world, contact them today by visiting storylinemultimedia.com. And remember, your story matters.